Welcome to Grappling with the Gray, a forum for promoting the development of an ethical mindset and ethical decision-making to help us more clearly see both sides of complex issues and better navigate the moral challenges of everyday life. I'm Jonas Goldson. Please join me in welcoming my guests today. Kimberly Davis is a coach, trainer, TEDx speaker, author of Brave Leadership and founder of the Brave Leadership University. Kira Day is a passion-based coach specializing in innovation, leadership, and professional transformation. She is CEO of the Passion Center and creator of the Passion-Based Incubator. And Peter Winnick is the founder and CEO of Thought Leadership Leverage and host of the Leveraging Thought Leadership podcast. Welcome, and thank you all for being with me today. Thanks so much for having us, Yannison. Thank you. So here is today's ethics challenge. Benny was widely recognized as a whiz kid by his fellow economic students, asking all the right questions in class and coming up with smart answers that impressed even the professor. Over the summer, he arranged his notes into a short primer on economic theory, which he self-published in hope of making a few bucks by selling them to incoming freshmen at the start of the fall semester. He left a couple of dozen copies with the owner of a popular off-campus bookstore. A week later, the owner called to tell Benny the books had sold out and he needed some more. Wow, said Benny, I had no idea they would sell that fast. The shopkeeper grinned. I have a secret system, he said. I post a pre-order sign-up sheet in the school library. I write about 15 fake names on the sheet, which makes it look like the book is a hot item and gets more people to order it so they won't miss out on something good. Was the shopkeeper unethical? And if so, what should Benny do? The floor is open. Well, Yana said, I have to, I have to tell you when I first, first read this scenario, the first thing that came to mind had nothing to do with the ethics of the shop owner and more to do with Benny's ethics of whether or not he had credited his professor for the, the work that he had written based on his course, because it was the professor's course and Benny's notes. Now, you know, I'm, I'm a, a, a teacher and I've got my content and my students take notes, uh, but were they to take notes on my content and sell them, I would find that unethical and, and and I also because I have a book that's copywritten and a lot of my work is that I teach is um, uh, is is part of that that body of work uh, my publisher would say mm, this is not this this is not okay and now you have to go fight for your copyright you have to you have to ask them to cease and assist so to me it was even a bigger deal to deal with was it Benny Benny's Benny's yeah. issue than the shopkeepers. Well, that's one of the wonderful things about this kind of forum is that that question never even occurred to me, and, <laughs> and, it, and it should have. But this is why uh, you know you can't have good ethics in a vacuum because right, we all right, have right, different right. we all have different angles, we all have different views, and when we have these conversations, new new uh, issues will arise that we would yeah. never have thought up on our own. So uh, that's really a fascinating uh, observation, Kimberly. But let's, let's assume for the moment that the <laughs> professor endorsed Benny, Benny <laughs> and gave him permission. <laughs> 
So I, I would say it's, you know, when I, when I saw the scenario, um, it hit very close to home in my world, because if you change Benny for an author to be is releasing a new book, there are so many, they're beyond gray. There, there's black, there's white, there's gray, and there's just bad. There's so many hacks and things that are clearly unethical that happen every day with, with published authors and publishers that you would know, uh, fake reviews, because there's certain objectives you want to hit when you're releasing a book. You want to get to 100 re reviews. Well, it doesn't mean you go and pay someone in, in you know, the Philippines to write those reviews. That's right. kind of doesn't need to be said, but people do these things. You know, to make a list, a New York Times bestseller list, a Wall Street Journal bestsellers, USA Today list, there are dozens of hucksters out there that will help you do that. And, and they range from literally buying, you know, 15,000 books and they wind up in a warehouse in Iowa somewhere right. or in a bonfire. Right. And then there are others that I think are more ethical where it's like, okay, if you have a big following and a big database, can someone help you coordinate those efforts, but be transparent about your intent? So I, you know, I think a, the, the, the shopkeeper is dead wrong. Yeah, he's came up with, we know people like to hit popular songs, et cetera, but you don't get to sort of plant the list. And then, you know, uh, for Benny to continue to do that, I think would, uh, you know, his choice, obviously, but I don't, I don't think that would be a great choice to make. I think when I first, when I first came across it, it was just like, for me, at least, I see this everywhere in marketing. It is creating demand. And idea of how do you go about creating demand because demand doesn't just happen it needs to be manipulated in some way how you manipulate it is kind of the fuzzy area of of like where do we where do we stretch where do where are the lines and just plainly without the scenario looking into how we've cultivated and what we've made acceptable to, in today's age um I feel as though there is no ethics in the conversation, <laughs> right? And um, as a business owner, I grapple with this all the time when I'm working with people that I bring on to help me grow my brand or to help me sell a product. And you're always, you know, questioning things. And at the same time, you're also balancing, well, what is going to be effective? And how can we be effective in the realm of being ethical and still live and keep your business going and operating? And I think that's mm -hmm. the question and why, why this becomes not necessarily binary, um, but there be a scale. And the, the challenges we all have when we introduce scales and we don't make things binary, which is like, this is right and this is wrong, that's where we get in trouble. And I think that's where we found ourselves. Well, so let, let me comment on that. So uh, uh, it's interesting. We have to create demand. As a marketer, clearly we have to do that. Nobody woke up that day and said, I got to buy Benny's book or whatever the product or service right. than any of us do. You have to create demand. Now, the bookstore owner is right that people do respond to lists, whether this is on an iTunes list or your podcast list or, you know, Amazon, like for some reason, people, if it's on a list, then more people will buy and it becomes a flywheel, et cetera. Well, if we know this to be true, I think there's a more ethical way to get there. And Benny could have said, hey, I'm going to give you, you know, pick five incoming freshmen and say, I'd like to give you this, use it. But what I'd really love is if you would, if you think it's valuable, you know, could you post a, a, a review and maybe poke them and remind yeah. them, et cetera. Yep, yep, yep. So, you, so you hit the behavioral side of this, which is absolutely true, but doing it in a way that's honest. Well, and I was thinking, uh, you, 
how do we get to the end goal, which is that that people want to be on want to be on this list or not thinking that they're people on the list, and and oftentimes, particularly when you're launching something, you know. Uh, writers will have the advanced reader's copy that they give away or or um, there are other discounted the ways you can discount a product early on before launch is it possible that in exchange for the discount the way the the first 10 people that that put their name on this pre-list will get the discount and and that's public right that so people know that to be true and you you populate the list but it's been populated with a very transparent way of doing it. Isn't um, isn't advertising really manipulation? And making things look more attractive. That's an interesting question. Well, uh, <laughs> and, and it's certainly and, and, it's certainly yes, yes and no, yes and no. Yeah, it, uh, doesn't, it, it doesn't have to be um, pejorative. Right. Words, if I have a product, then I, to, me, to my mind, it comes down to value. If I have a product that is valuable, that is fairly priced, it's going to do what it promises to do, and it's going to benefit my customers, then it's, it's a service to convince them. Well, and, and, and manipulation is a tainted word. So I think when you look at behavioral economics and things like Nudge and Richard Thaler's work and whatever, we can manipulate people to do things that are good for them as well, like sign up for their 401ks, like, you know, get reminders when their prescriptions are in. So manipulation is a word I think that has an ickiness to it. it yeah, just, it's loaded. As a brand, it's a loaded word. But I think, yeah, could you could you influence, could you coerce, could you persuade someone to do something that's in their best interest? Sure. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a great thing, as long as they still have the agency to make the choice. And I think that that's the gap, right? Because I don't, necessarily feel like our platform gives rise to a lot of agency um, because there's there's mechanics that are happening so in the case of um of this book he's developed a or he's found a system that works for him and he's duplicated that system and you know not to make assumptions around how he's come to you know come to terms with that, whether it's, you know, everybody needs to have this book. And so if I dabble in this and this system works and I'm going to use it and it's effective and it gets into the hands, then does the means justify the end goal? Right. And I think, mm -hmm. I think that that's, <laughs> that's where things can get dicey, but I love this idea of having other ways that can be just as acceptable and just as ethical come into the, so that we can have more more chances to support the end goal by more ethical means. So I love your example, Peter and Kimberly. Um, like, and 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 I think those conversations should be happening. I'm not sure if they are. I'm not a marketer myself, but those are definitely conversations that need to be happening a lot more for us. Well, to and I think the fact that Benny was excluded from that decision uh, mm -hmm. is is also something that's a factor, right? Because Benny didn't get to uh, weigh in on whether or not he thought this was the right thing to do. And it's his product. So um, it's so to me that if, if, if his name is on the product, it, it, it insinuates that you're endorsing the way this is happening, which is not always the case when you put someone else in charge of marketing what you have. What, do you see a justification for what the shopkeeper did? Is there, is there, did he cross a line? Yeah, he, I mean, he, I mean, I could see 
himself justifying what he did, right? Nobody died, nobody got hurt, whatever. But anything, first of all, anything based on deceit, you know, the, the trick is if the public, and in this case, this was a small instance, found out how what happened in the way it happened, what's the damage to his brand, right? So if, let's say it came out, this is not, you know, he didn't kill anybody, whatever, it's not dealing drugs. Would you ever want to trust that shopkeeper again? That the quality of the products he yeah. sold, that his list are good, like- Well, so, you cheated. You definitely would- Exactly. Or, the other end of that. Mm-hmm. Right. His credibility would be shot. I mean, how, list, how many the list times, wouldn't mean nothing if they knew that they weren't real. So like how many, I can't tell you how many times being in New York, you go down Times Square and 80% of the stores are going out of business sale, right? <laughs> Why do they do that? Because it's all tourists that think they're going to get a great deal on a camera or an iPad yeah. or whatever the case yeah. may be. If you go down the store, you know, a couple of times in a row, you're like, okay, you've been going out of business for Wait a second. In, in the going out of business business for 10 years. Like, yeah. you know. Uh, and they will go out yeah. of business at some point, probably. At some point. No, but it always says next week or last three days or, you know, because yes, you yeah. have to have that timeliness to get the impulse. That's right. That's Which right. That's right. Such a big awareness to in the way that we have allowed. I think it, it just goes back to this, right? It's, it's we as consumers have allowed this behavior but at the same time, we're also blind to the behavior too until, until you're not blind anymore. <laughs> and then you right. have ideas on how that can be changed, but then it's too late. So I think it's, you know, what does Benny do at that day and age? Like, does he just, you know, say thank you and move on? Or does he kind of pull it from, you know, from, from or pull the agreement? Mm-hmm. And I think that, a move like that might help the book owner to think again about how maybe he's conducting. I think we just don't call these things out as much. Maybe. Well, and the thing is, is we get what we reward, right? So if Benny is rewarded with a lot of sales, how likely is he to pull that? He, you know, so then, then he is caught in his own question of integrity. Um, And that's the challenge, right? So, yeah, it's being rewarded for these unethical things and allowing things to slip because we're getting to the goal. And I think that's why when you're talking about ethics as an absolute and ethics as a binary, it's very easy to see what's right and wrong. But when we start to introduce these other concepts like having a goal, selling, mm-hmm. making sure that our targets mm-hmm. are it's very easy to see how that can be challenging for people because yeah. they're battling two things that sometimes can oppose each other and not fit nice and easily. As right. We- right. And, fa- and human nature is, is we take the shortest path to get to the end result. So. So where's the line then? Is it okay to embellish a little bit? You know, if somebody said, I'm going to hire, you know, uh, my friend Kimberly to be a coach and they asked me, cause I know her, Oh, she's the greatest coach ever. Really? Do I really know that? No, I might say she's really good. I know several people that have worked with her and they've had great outcomes or whatever, but a little bit of embellishment because I want her to get, you know, I want her to mm-hmm. land that client. I'm not, I don't be- benefit from that. So I think it's, it's everything. Well, everything maybe you do though in social capital, right? So it, it benefits maybe. you in your relationships. So I, I don't think people, I don't think human beings tend to do things um, without there being some benefits often hidden from them but even even when you're looking at ethical questions i think human beings choose 
the path that they think is the right path, the ethical path, because of what that means about them. I am, I am the good person. I, mm-hmm. I will go to heaven. I will get somebody else's accolades. I will, I, it's it, it, oftentimes, whether it, it's often blind to us, but there is some benefit to our behavior. In a way, and I heard this very recently, but it's so relevant to this conversation. And someone was saying that humans manipulate when we don't feel like we can have our needs met directly. So if I know that I can't get my needs met just by telling you that I need this met, then I will change my behavior to allow myself to get that. But sometimes that's a very conscious thing. We don't mm-hmm. calculate it in the moment. That's how we're designed. So in a way, this is just a reflection of our own behavior. And, mm-hmm. and so how do we bridge that gap for ourselves so that we can bridge that gap in this conversation, like in what we do in business and how we conduct ourselves and our business matters. That's Which where is I- extremely difficult when most people don't even know what their core needs are. They right. can't even answer that question. You're, you're, you're bringing in so many um, critical issues. Core needs, I think, are closely related to core values. And, and many of us can't articulate what those are either. Right. So if I'm not if I'm not tuned into my own core values, then the gray becomes much broader. And and, you know, what you said earlier, uh, Kira, um, and and I love your use of the word binary because it's a word I use all the time. Things are black and white. It's relatively easy, but this is why we grapple with the gray because Mm -hmm. it's, it's, you, you can have competing values. You can have competing priorities. You can have that fuzzy line when it's not so clear exactly how or when you've crossed over it. I mean, I, I use a tagline, you know, the, the keynote speaker with 3000 years experience um, because I'm drawing on the tradition that I come from, which has been teaching for over 3000 years, but a couple of people have actually questioned me on whether that is a, an, an accurate uh, tagline. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when, when does it stop being creative license and start drifting into fiction. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but I think in that case, it's pretty clear. Nobody assumes that you're 3,000 years old. So (laughs) look young for my age, that's all. Yeah. No, it'd be one thing if you said, you know, whatever, you had 50 years experience, you had 20 or something like that. But I think it's, it's, that's not manipulative. I think the exaggeration or market. Yeah, it's clear it's it's creative Mm -hmm. license. I would I would I I would agree, but of course I'm biased because it's my tagline. Right. Well (laughs) Mel Brooks did it. Was it the thousand year old man? Was that Mel Brooks? That's right. Exactly. So what um what about now Benny finds himself in this situation and we've already talked about he should um address it with the shopkeeper and either clarify that he's not on board with this or sever the relationship. Does he have any responsibility to the people who've already bought the books? That's a big responsibility to take on. (laughs) Well, I, yeah. And I think that's a very challenging question to ask because now you are positioning yourself to also, you know, potentially out and even though his his how he went about it we can question I feel like his intentions were obviously to do a job that Benny you know 
asked him well, to do. Well, yeah, I think if, if, if you play the positive manipulation side of it, one is it might be wise for Brendan to say to the shopkeeper, I'm not going to do business that way anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Number one. Number two mm-hmm. is, are you willing to change the way you do your business practices for me? I'm just one book on the shelf. Maybe it was. And he said, oh, and there's one more caveat. We have to send an email or however we can communicate back to the 15 people that bought the book. Let them know. I'll give them their money back. Now, only if they didn't think there was value in the book because there were some questionable pieces. And then when nobody asks for their money back or only one does, you say, wow, you know, it's valid. Because the other thing that Benny is, is, is misled is he doesn't have true market validation that the book that he wrote is actually valuable. It was manipulated. So if he says, oh, I'm going to do this for four more classes because I'm such an excellent note taker. Um, <laughs> that's a, no, Well, it's true, right? He might have some validation that he's really good in the he's going to be the world's mm-hmm. greatest note taking author, if that's, <laughs> assuming the IP issues aren't there. Maybe he's not right. Like without the manipulation, it wouldn't have sold anything. And now he's going to go waste, you know, six months of his life producing something that nobody cares about, nobody wants or isn't good. You want well, true market well, feedback. So the, the, the shopkeeper is not likely to support that action because what that does is say, hey, guess what? Come for me my- as a shopkeeper, I'm 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 a big fat liar. So yeah, I'm not sure the shopkeeper is gonna be on board with that, which means he But Benny could do that on his own platform for sales. He could yeah. do it on his own in social well, media. Well, he could, but so what 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 I was thinking, and, and this is a little bit on the lines of what you're saying, Peter, is that if he's got this email list, could he or either do it himself or have someone reach out on behalf to to do some market research? How did you feel about the book? What you know? What 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 were what were the pieces that you got the most value from? Um, what would you do differently? Just add, do some market research around it, and then if they're saying, well, I, you know, I I didn't really like it, then hey, you know, we we stand behind what we're doing and then reimburse them for that at that point. But I, I can't imagine that that relationship between the shopkeeper and Benny would be able to remain intact mm-hmm. if that were transparent to the shopkeeper of what Benny was going to do, because that would destroy the shopkeeper's brand. Now I would layer onto that because I agree. I think that this is a very, when it, when it comes correcting behavior both parties would need to see that the behavior was incorrect would need to correct and how to move forward from that and I think that you know by just I I really like um the conversation like the conversation needs to be had between Benny and the store owner to say if we are going to continue this relationship this is how I would prefer it done and perhaps we can bring online some of the original you know um different scenarios where it can still be effective just in a much more aligned way to how Benny would conduct his business. And then to add on to that, we, we already know that whatever book sales have been done is, you know, that can't be counted as market validation for sure. But I do agree. It doesn't have to be useless. Like we can build and see if there's value that they got that maybe testimonials can be driven from but then in the future mm-hmm. we would need the same type we would need that different type of marketing now that's a lot more ethical and aligned to the way that Benny would conduct business to then see how the market would be you know if they would be interested mm-hmm. of course we're all assuming that Benny doesn't like the way the shopkeeper is doing things I mean Benny might be like 
that's awesome. Look at how many books we sold. You know, so. I mean, well, but, it's, but it's a big, so, so stay there a minute. I mean, there, there, I think there's logic in that to say, listen, I just write the book. I don't know anything about retail and how people, is yeah. that a standard yeah. practice? And, uh, you know, like this, I just write them, right? So I think a yeah. lot of people say, well, I just produce the widget. I just do this. I, you know, I don't Well, and know I think that's a way we so. all let ourselves off the hook with some of this gray, right? So right. We, we give away response, personal responsibility and say, oh, you know, I didn't know, or it's not my fault, or, um, you know, this is the way they do it. And uh, we relinquish our own responsibility in the matter. And I think that's, I, that's something that we can all ask ourselves. Are we, well, are uh, we taking responsibility for our participation in that? And how many business owners do we know, or like, have we seen in the news too, especially in the clothing manufacturers who never knew that there was outsourcing going on and like child labor happening and all of these different things. Right. And it's just like this book. For a I'll give you a, a, a positive example that I remember about eight or 10 years ago, CVS came out and said, our whole mission vision values around being your, your center for family health and wellness. As a result of that, we can no longer sell cigarettes. And if you think about, you know, drugstore, you know, yep. they love smokers. They're in there a couple of times a week. They're buying other things, yep. whatever. Yep. So when they came out with that, two things happened, right? The consumer said, wow, good for you. That's awesome yeah. that we, I yeah. want to shop there instead of Walgreens or whatever. But the market said, no, 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 that's 8% of your profits is the shit. Where are you going to make that up from? So immediately their stock tanked, they got beat up and eventually, you know, went through the roof, but that was a courageous decision of theirs because they could easily yes. say, well, every other drugstore sells cigarettes and family health needs. Yeah. Every other drugstore does it. Every newsstand does it. So yeah. they got positive attention from being the first and proud to, to take the high road. Mm-hmm. That's that's right along your alley, uh, Kimberly. That uh, to be ethical is to be courageous, yeah. is to be brave. Yeah, absolutely, uh, it's, absolutely. It's not, it's not simple to do the right thing. No, uh, in a culture no. that or to speak your truth, you. or to yeah. or to to tell to even tell yourself the truth. And I think that's something that that we uh, all have difficulty with sometimes is telling ourselves the truth. Am I Am I walking my talk? Am I am I the person I pretend to be in the world? You know, uh, I mean, all of these these different issues. Yeah, um, it also comes out of what you were saying, Peter, that, that when the um, when the or maybe well, and, um, and when when the shopkeeper does this, that legitimizes it for Benny, and he might never it might never have occurred to him. Good question. That this was, yeah. you know, to think about whether this was right or wrong. Right. But right. you know, how, how often do we that kind of peer pressure? You know, if if it's being done over here, then maybe it's okay. Mm-hmm. And now it becomes part of the norms. Mm-hmm. And now, well, and I think it's been a real slippery slope. I mean, sure. our our industry, because I think we all share similar industries. I mean, you look at some of the practices. Oh well, in order to get an agent, you need to have 20,000 followers right. on Twitter. So follow everyone. And then you hope that they follow you back. It's all well, gamification of everything. It's all gamification. And where's the honest, authentic connection that, that should result in, which, in um, followers and likes? Yeah. And all the, it's all about gaming it. Well, so speaking of gaming it, I mean, it is, it is very common knowledge 
in the, in the book industry, but not to the end user, that when you're in an airport situation, that's pay for play. 90% yes. of airport book placement. That's now you right. walk in there as, as the consumer, la, 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 I'm at gate D7. Ooh, I see Yannison's. Oh, it's a great book. Oh yeah, yeah. It's sitting right next yeah. to Jim Collins and all these other notable people. I guess I'm going to buy that. Now there's no disclaimer anywhere that says this section right. over here is organic and these people paid to put there. And by the way, that's the same business as a supermarket and every other thing. Exactly. Where things are put on the shelves and yeah. And it works. Yeah way is the as seen on kind of category as well right that's all right right there is just i think it's just <laughs> it's just a pay-to-play market really and you know i think that what what is comical to me is the more people catch on and the more awareness that that happens around that it's like where is the value of it the value starts to reduce and it's like, you know, I, yeah, I could talk about this all day. And I know. This, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. when we get into our second segment, it looks like we'll have plenty of uh, uh, directions <laughs> we, we can go. But um, for now, I think what we've, what we've come to is a certain amount of consensus that what's been done here by the shopkeeper is clearly misrepresentation, even though it wasn't misrepresentation of the product, it was misrepresentation of the product's popularity. Yes. And that could create in his own mind that, you know, I didn't lie to anybody about what they were getting or what it was going to cost them, but I did deceive them into thinking that um, there was a, a, a popular attraction of this product yes. and that was crossing a line, but, but it's still a pretty fuzzy line when you get into all these variations and we can explore a few of them uh, in the next section. So, uh, so thank you for a really stimulating uh, conversation. Really great conversation. Um, I've, I've enjoyed I've enjoyed talking with all of you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, if if you can hang on for a little longer, we can we can keep the conversation going. Um, and uh, and thank you, uh, panelists, uh, Kira Day, Kimberly Davis, Peter Winnick, um, and for those of you who are watching or listening. If you'd like to suggest an ethical scenario for us to take up uh, uh, under, under conversation, under discussion, uh, please go to the, my website, yonasongoldson.com. Use the contact box there to suggest your scenario. And if it's engaging, we will definitely use it. If you are a Grappling with the Gray member, please use the community link to participate in a follow-up Q&A conversation. If you're not a member, please go to gwtg.live, that's gwtg.live, where you can sign up for a free 30-day trial and enjoy member benefits. Please join us again next week for another ethical discussion as our panelists grapple with the gray.